Welcome to Rogers Center, everybody. It's the Blue Jays home opener. On the mound for the Blue Jays is left-hander Hangin Rao, acquired in the off-season, making his Blue Jays debut. I don't know about you, Pat, but I'm excited to see him pitch. Am I ever? Well, I, I think I speak for everybody when I say, but, but it's time for baseball. What? <laughs> I have never seen that. Swing and a drive! Wow! You called it, partner. It's time for baseball. <laughs> to me, he looks strong, powerful. You know who swing here reminds me of? Art Shamsky. Great comparison. Right on cue! I really like what Mark and Ross have done with the team this offseason. They, they brought in ball players. Well, well, they sure did, Pat. Swing and a drive! When I start thinking about the Astros scandal, I start to feel a little more insignificant than usual. I start to think, Jacob, you're never going to uncover anything about this scandal. You're never going to meet Ken Rosenthal to throw around your ideas. The Athletic is never going to hire you, making you Jacob Eamon of The Athletic. You'd be lucky to have someone say Jacob Eamon, who used to be slightly athletic. I can't get to the bottom of this. I can't make a podcast uncovering this story week by week to millions of listeners, creating a global phenomenon and a listening experience that would force the social zeitgeist to stand up and clap for me. Then it hit me. I know someone who could do that. I know someone who has already done that. So I decided to reach out to a good friend of mine, someone who has a, a complicated relationship with both of us, the host of the most popular podcast of all time, Sarah Koenig. The Major League Baseball cheating scandal sending shockwaves around the world. The owner of the Houston Astros fired. The team's general manager and manager, after an investigation, found that the Astros cheated by stealing signs during their World Series championship season. Baseball has a lot of things that get around that the public doesn't necessarily know about, but everyone kind of inside the game knows about. Excuse me, you know what that means? That means the manager was aware of it. That means the bench coach was probably aware of it. The players certainly were aware of it. They were in on it. In this American life in WBEZ Chicago, it's serial. One story told week by week. I'm Sarah Koenig. For the last three months, I've been spending every waking moment tracking pitches, trying to figure out the extent of what seemed like a silly and trivial scandal in baseball, a sport it seemed like no one even watched anymore. Or if you want to get technical about it, apparently I do, 
listening for the unmistakable thud of a baseball bat hitting a trash can. This search sometimes feels undignified on my part. I've had to ask a baseball player's wife if she really felt uncomfortable with her husband's chest being exposed after hitting home runs. I've had to ask her husband, who looked more like an unusually small and uncomfortably cheerful 10th grader than a baseball player, if he was too shy to take his shirt off or if he just didn't know why he didn't take his shirt off. And I'm not a detective or a private investigator. I'm not even a crime reporter. Before I get into why I've been doing this, I just want to point something out I never really thought about before working on this story. Baseball, at its core, is a game of failure. An outfielder by the name of Ty Cobb finished his playing career in 1926 with a career batting average that has not been topped to this day. He hit 366. If you don't know anything about baseball, that means he hit the ball and got on base 36.6% of the time. It also means he failed to get on base 63.4% of the time. I had to confirm with my producer Dana that those numbers made sense. So why is it so hard to hit a baseball? The bat is round, the ball is round, and you have to hit it square, as the great Kevin Barker always says. I've even heard that hitting a baseball is the single most difficult action in all of sports. I suggested to my producer Dana that we test out this theory, so we drove to a local Houston batting cage. So what do you think, Dana? Definitely scary standing in there, but hardest thing in sports, I don't know. You looked pretty good in there. You hit a few. Even I hit a few balls. Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be something we were missing here. Like, those guys over there must be only 16 or 17, and they hit it every time. We went over to the guys and waited for them to take a break from hitting the ball. Uh, excuse me, guys. Me and my friend here just wanted to ask you guys a couple questions about baseball. We couldn't help but notice how you guys are hitting the ball and how easy it looked for you guys to make contact. And we heard hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports, and yet you probably hit 90% of those balls. I told you, bro. Dingers. Dude, you got that machine on like 50. Bro, it's harder to hit a machine because you don't know when it's coming out of the machine. I told you that. What does that mean? It means he couldn't even hit a 12-year-old the good stuff. What is stuff? Uh, it's like, you know, picture stuff. I don't know. It's like he throws and then... When he throws it, and if he throws it harder, but also like spin it like, and he can get you out a bunch of different ways when his stuff is good. Okay, I think I got it. I definitely didn't. Yeah, he couldn't even hit the machine if we turned it on past 50. What does 50 mean? 50 miles per hour. So when the guy said he would give us 20, he meant 20 miles per hour, not 20 balls? <laughs> yeah. How fast does the machine go? These ones can throw 90. So that's a lot harder to hit then. Yeah, yeah, but I can hit 90. No, you can't. Dude, I'll get Mike to turn the machine to 90 right now, and if I hit 300, you're asking that hobo outside 7-Eleven to buy the next Buds for Keisha's party on Saturday. Trevor only ended up hitting one out of 10 balls, and the one he did hit ended up flying up and still went behind him. To steal a phrase from baseball, I was starting to see the ball a bit more clearly. 
So you turn the speed up and he can't hit the ball anymore. That's what makes it so hard to hit the ball? Well, yeah, big leggers throw smoke 100 plus, but he can't even hit 80. 100 miles per hour. Yeah, and that's just the heater, no deception. Heater? Have you ever watched a baseball game? Yeah, the heater is his fastball. Right. Big leaguer starter is going to have like three pitches. Reliever might get away with two if he's got really good stuff. But most starters got like around four or even five pitches. You never know what's coming. Wyatt started explaining to me how pitchers use a variety of different ways of throwing the ball. How each pitch moves in a different way or comes in at a different speed. I went home and did some research on different pitches. The fastball. This is the pitch the machine was replicating at the batting cage that day. The one that we hit some of the time when it was going 80 miles per hour slower than a major league pitcher can throw it. The next pitch was called the curveball. This pitch spins forward out of the hand and curves towards the ground right before reaching the batter. It also travels significantly slower than a fastball, around 70 or 80 miles per hour. A good pitcher who is maintaining his delivery can make the pitches look identical when it comes out his hand. So when you think the ball is coming at you extremely fast and high, all of a sudden it dives toward the ground. And before you can blink, the ball's in the dirt or the catcher's glove. Strike one. The next pitch he throws could be what's called a change-up. This pitch comes out of the hand the same way as the fastball. It seems like it's moving the same way the fastball moves. So you have a fraction of a second to swing. So you gear up ready to crush it. Except by the time you finish swinging, the ball still hasn't even reached your batter's box. You change up. Strike two. Now the batter's head is spinning. Maybe he's going to try and throw the fastball now. He saw how bad I looked when he threw the change. So he thinks, I think he'll throw it again. But really, he's going to throw that fastball right down the middle and I won't be ready for it, because I think the slow stuff is coming. The pitcher winds up and releases the ball. It looks faster. I was right. I'm going to drive this fastball into the outfield, bring home the winning run. But right before the ball got to the plate, the ball suddenly and violently moves away from his bat, two feet away from where it looked like it was going to cross the plate. The slider. Strike three. You're out. This is what those kids were talking about when they said deception. Every time the ball comes out of the pitcher's hand, it might move in a different direction or at a different speed, and it always looks identical until it's too late. I thought back to how hard it was for that kid to hit the ball coming out the exact same way every time, at a speed that still didn't come close to a major league pitcher. I thought about how the best players in the world fail 64% of the time. Finally, I understood why it might be the most difficult task in all of sports. But what if you were able to remove the deception out of the equation? What if the best players in the world knew what was coming on each pitch? Or even what wasn't? Next time on Serial. I managed to get an exclusive interview with a player on the Houston Astros. Uh, you're going to disguise my voice so that I don't, uh, okay. Uh, so what, what, what do you want to know about the trash cans, I guess? Yeah. Uh, look, in 
all started one day with uh, Evan Gaddis. Now, he's a bit of a different guy, you know? He's more like a fucking animal, you know? He barely uses words, just these violent gestures signifying his desires. So what he would do is when he was hungry, he would just take a bat and he would just start bashing in a trash can until some petrified clubby would cart up a few whole chickens to silence the noise, sort of like throwing a goat into a lion's den, you know what I mean? Now, usually this would happen before and after a game, but uh, one game, however, couldn't wait till the end, and he, he just starts murdering a can, and uh, Altuve was up at the bat, and so... It distracted him because he could hear it, and uh, initially Altuve was worried that when he got distracted, his wife would view it as a sign of infidelity or something, and he did remark he could hear the banging at the plate, but he didn't know what it was, and so then we started thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we could use this as a signal to send messages to the hitter. You know, we just had to make sure Gaddis was fed as not to confuse, right? But because of the crowd noise... Uh, what we had to do was we had to make sure we could distinguish the difference between a, a can being smoked by that and then other noises. So we would practice hitting things with bats. Uh, walls, cars, ladies. Uh, it took a while, but our ears got tuned in and we, we were rolling. We, we were rolling. Cheetahs, every one of them, they gotta be kicked out of the league. They're banging on trash cans, really? They're supposed to be the advanced ones. Heads above everyone else with their data and whatever. And advanced metrics sounds like the opposite to me. Bunch of millionaires banging on trash cans. You expect anything else from people living down there in Trump land? Hey Houston, yours a fucking World Series trophy. This is Jose Bautista, and you're listening to the Black and Tommy Show. And now we head to St. Joseph's Hospital, where Dr. Chad Kissinger has come up with a peculiar plan to help with the shortage of respirators many hospitals in Canada will be facing. Our reporter Roger Pocket spoke with Dr. Kissinger on the phone earlier this morning. Yeah, so basically what we're looking for is for people to come on down to St. Joseph's Hospital. You know, we know a lot of people are out of work right now, and so this is an opportunity to make some kind of money. It's not an incredible wage, but it is, uh, you know, provincially regulated. And what type of people are you looking for? We're looking for people who fall within the uh, less vulnerable demographic. We're looking for anybody from 20 to 40 years old who's, who doesn't have any underlying health conditions, no respiratory illnesses, uh, to come on down to the hospital. And because we're so short on ventilators, what we're looking is for people to give mouth-to-mouth to the COVID patients. Now, we don't expect anybody to just know how to do mouth-to-mouth. If you do, that's great. But what we're going to do is do a little half-hour crash course on mouth-to-mouth. And then what you can expect is probably 10 patients per person. And throughout the course of the day, you're just going back and forth through these 10 COVID-infected uh, patients, giving them mouth-to-mouth. And Dr. Kissinger, 
given the level of danger of such a job, can you give an idea of what people might be uh, receiving in terms of pay? Well, like I said, it's going to be provincially regulated minimum wage. Uh, so I think that that's going to fall around the 14 to $15. Don't quote me on that. Uh, it's around the 14 to $15. But you're logging a lot of hours is the, is the benefit of this. You could be in the hospital for 14, 15 hours just giving mouth-to-mouth to, -mouth to, uh, to the infected. Okay, and so... Once the mouth-to-mouth -mouth workers, you know, after they've spent a day working, say, for example, they themselves have contracted the COVID-19 virus, are they able to continue working? Can you, does it matter if they're doing mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, giving the COVID back and forth to each other? How does that work? Uh, for me, it's a non-issue. I mean, you got people who have COVID infections and then you've got a COVID infection. Why not blow in each other's mouths? You know what I mean? You can't pass it to someone who already has it. And if the uh, person who's doing the mouth-to-mouth -mouth gets the infection, then, you know, that's all fair game at that point. Do you make any sort of guarantees for the people who will obviously get COVID-19 from doing this? Will, will they be able to receive ventilators? Should they become ill? Or are there other people's backups for them? Or? Definitely they will not receive ventilators themselves, but there will be hopefully more and more people who are coming to do the mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, and so it'll just sort of start a chain reaction where people who were giving mouth-to-mouth -mouth are now in the bed and new people are giving mouth-to-mouth -mouth and they're now in the bed. So we're kind of saving lives and ruining lives at the same time. But, you know, it's all a balance in these tricky times and we do have to come together. Wow, sounds like a really interesting plan they've got down there at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital. I don't know if I'd be comfortable giving mouth-to-mouth to, -mouth to uh, somebody who had COVID-19. I'm not sure. Uh, there's a lot of literature out there that suggests they're not really sure how people will react to it. So that seems like a, a very, a very scary thing. Up next, we have a local Winnipeg man who is pleading to the government. We'll be back with him right after this. I don't, as long as this message is getting out, I, I'm happy with that. But my whole thing here is you want us to all stay in our homes, and that's fine. You know, we're all trying to listen to that for, you know, being this self-isolation thing that we're doing. But, you know, not everybody's got a family. You know, I don't have a family. And so for me, I'm just in my apartment all day long by myself, you know, and I got needs, right? I'm happy to be inside. I'm happy to stay there. But some of my needs got to be got to be fulfilled. You know, you can't just leave me in there to die. And so the other day I go online and I'm looking at uh, sex dolls, thousands of dollars for these these high end sex dolls. And so for, for me, I just want to say, Mr. Prime Minister, when are you going to start to offer people recession friendly sex dolls for self-isolation? That's got to be the next step. You have to take care of your Canadian people. I'm about ready to ravage the streets. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm about to start going door to door for this. I'm about to start to go door to door looking for anything that'll touch me and make me feel safe because I, I've never experienced the kind of loneliness like this is. And what, what, what are we at? Day 13? I'm losing my mind here. I think we should just get right into this. I'm just going to call you out on this right now. Why do you think that all prolific NBA players, uh, I don't know if it's a need to be bald or you think that you can't be a top NBA player unless you're bald. I have never said that you can't be a top NBA player unless you're bald. My whole thing is that I just wondered why are the majority of the greatest basketball players of all time bald? 
and you can look at some obvious things, I suppose. Having a higher testosterone level is good for strength, muscle building, but is it also bad for hairlines? But that's really not, I mean, the specific testosterone that is creating the hair loss is the dehydrotestosterone and that can be managed in your body. It just, it's really just a genetics thing. It's like, can your body spread out this DHT in a pleasing way to the body or does it actually start to deteriorate things like hair follicles and cause acne? You know, it can fuck with your sex drive. So there's nothing like you can have a bunch of testosterone and also have a bunch of hair on your head. But what is it about that specific testosterone, the DHT, as you say, that makes you good at basketball? Well, I would just argue that that's not true. And that also you're just witnessing men get older because if you look at Jordan, like Jordan had hair when he was younger and then who knows when he actually went fully bald because he shaved his head. But it depends on what we're talking about. Are we talking about a guy going full bald or are we talking about a receding hairline? Because those are two different things because we're all going to have receding hairlines here. Like, what Yeah, for we- sure. I, uh, what I'm talking about is that the really great, the excellent basketball players, the greatest of all times, the GOATs, those guys aren't just like have a bit of thinning or a slightly receding hairline. These guys, like maybe they're not full horseshoe bald, but they've, they've experienced some serious balding. And Michael in particular, I feel like he went like, he went like insta, insta bald. Like it seemed like he had full straight hairline lined up nicely to needing to shave his head because it got so bad all of a sudden. I don't know what, I don't know what happened there with him, but. He did go bald quick. It was almost like when he put pen to paper with Nike, all his hair fell out on the page. Yeah, something something crazy happened with him. Someone should look well, into that. When you look at like a late when you look at a late career Kobe, like he wasn't bald and it, it, he still had like it was back a lot, but he still had that hairline. You look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like he's bald no, now. No, no, no. Dude's like 70, but he had hair, dude. Like he he wasn't bald. He just at a certain point in the hair loss, you can't grow the hair long because you look like a fucking mutant. Like you look like <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> so he he just had to shave it down. But that doesn't mean he's bald. It just means that his hair is at the point where it needs to be shaved. Yes, but what I'm just saying that compared to other sports, there's something about the basketball players that seems to be with the great ones. You know, I feel like uh, I, I disagree about Kobe. We can go back on that, but I just want to list yeah, off. You can look at it. It's well you. documented. You can see him later in his career with a little bit of stubble, and it's like, it's bad. I think that's fake. I think that's fake. No. If you're shaving yes. your head, why are you putting fake stubble on your head? Because it's really easy to fake. It's like people get tattoos, fake hair hair tattoos. If you if you have a shaved hair, all you have to all you have to do is have a little bit of that fake stuff and it looks great and then you're like oh well he just chooses to be bald he doesn't need to be yeah but i'm talking about like minuscule stubble i'm not talking about like any kind of length of hair that would allow it to be fake like you can't fake it's not it wasn't a head tattoo maybe it is you don't know that why would he okay but then the next day you see him and it's just shaved bald so he how does he get rid of the tattoo in a day okay okay i'm not saying that that's what he's doing I'm saying that his, his his went back like halfway. 
Okay, you look at young Kobe, you look at number eight Kobe before he went to 24, and it, it, it's like if you imagine his head is uh, one of those protractors, his hair, his hairline goes from, I'm going to say, okay, so we got 180 degrees. I'm going to go around. We got 90. We got, we got 45. He goes from a 45 to a 90. You know what I'm saying? His head. And that's why he shaved it real short. Because when it was longer, when he was younger, he was at a 45. I'm not debating he that he didn't. Middle of the head. It is middle of the head. It's definitely like, it's not maybe fully middle of the head, but it's close to the middle of the head. And I'm not debating that he didn't lose hair. But there's a real difference between somebody who's bald and somebody who's losing their hair. And the only reason that that's important to me in this conversation is because I guess at some point, 95% of all athletes are going to lose their hair. And so you're just witnessing them in that. Okay. So explain to me, explain to me this. Sorry to interrupt. I just want you to tell me, was Michael Jackson bald or was he just 95% of men losing their hair? Well, Michael Jackson, you said Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just to be clear, I was about to respond to Michael Jackson because that's what you said. Was Michael Jordan bald or was he just losing his hair? No, I, I'm fully granting you Michael Jordan was probably bald. I mean, we don't really know because he probably didn't show bald. us that. That is crazy. There, there, you can find some pictures. You can see some of that grown out hair. Okay, so then, Okay, so then if your argument is greatest player who ever played in the NBA is bald and it helped him be the greatest player... I'll sign off on that. That's great. That's a great, but what you're, what you're saying. What about LeBron? What about LeBron James? Again, he's had some significant hair loss. Wouldn't call him a bald man. Just because you shave your head doesn't mean you're a bald man. If he he let the Chia bet go, who knows? You're unable to call him a bald man because he's had multiple hair transplants and uses, clearly uses fibers too. Like there's no way we can see what LeBron James would actually look like if he wasn't, uh, Getting Which surgery done and using drugs. My point and- is that we don't know. Would you think oh. differently? Oh, uh, we know. We know. <laughs> we fucking know, man. Everyone knows about Braun. He's open about it. Kawhi, full head. Yeah. There's outliers. I mean, there's a lot. Scotty Pippen, full head. Paul Pierce, full head. Um... Okay, let me just let me hold on for Steph a second. Steph Curry, full head. Yep, 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 Clay, yep. yep. Clay Thompson, top, full head. The uh, the top five scores in NBA history, history are Jabbar, Malone, LeBron, Kobe, and MJ. All of those guys are. I know that there's some question, but those they're bald dudes, now. Yeah, for sure, they're bald now. I really think that if you look back to Kareem's later years, he had a bit of hair. A bit of hair. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about like... There is young Kareem with hair. And there is like, I feel like a lot of his career where he's playing as a bald man. And even before that with just a, just like a, a thinning out hairline. 
Do you think that's something that scouts will look at then? Like the, yeah. the ability to go bald soon? And then I think people are, I think in the NBA combine, they should be doing jumping, running, and they should get in there with a comb and, and look at the, the miniaturization, get some, get some, uh, some high def cameras, see what's going on with the hairline. And if it's starting to thin, they should, that should be a, that should be a good thing. So do you think that if a really like, like what, what do you think would change if you, if you found out that Kawhi Leonard was on Propecia? Would you think that, oh, that's the thing? Like that was the thing that like, you'll always be one of the top players, but maybe not the greatest of all time. Like if you had a, let's just let that shit go, it would have made you better. Would that would that change your opinion on Kawhi if you knew that he was on Propecia? I mean, I've thought about Ka- Kawhi's hair a lot, to be honest. And it's gone back. You a know, bit. you can. It's definitely gone back, but that's the problem. Like those braids. That's why you have that. He has to have those that baby hair, which like both forms a a nice fresh lineup and and slightly lower hairline. Having the baby hairs below it, but it also is to protect the hairline from being a part of the braids that are being pulled back all day long for weeks at a time getting out. I, th- I think that if he puffed it up and froed it and trimmed it down a bit, it would look like a completely different hairline. He's he's like exposing the hairline to its most vulnerable position doing what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. It, I'm, all I'm saying is that that hairstyle is not good and does cause balding. Uh, it doesn't Look cause into it. balding. It can cause, you know, hair. It causes te- hair loss. No, it doesn't cause te- male tempor- pattern build. No, it causes temporary hair loss. Those hairs. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that hair's coming back. Those follicles aren't dead. They're just if they're getting yanked out, they're getting yanked out. If they're dead, then they're dead from the male pattern baldness. It's not you. You don't go bald by putting your hair in a ponytail. It helps. Helps with breakage breakage it's just breakage it's not it's nothing it's like if you stop doing that you'll those hair follicles will come back like if you have weak hair and you yank it back it's going to come out if you have stronger hair you yank it back it'll stay in but if you if you have weak hair and you yank it out it comes out and if you keep yanking it out those follicles that are weak are going to keep coming out but if you stopped yanking it like so it, that so it accelerates you know if you've got male pattern baldness already and you got that kind of hairstyle it's gonna yank that shit out when it's not as strong not really because like even if, if, even if even if women put their hair in you know it's not like it's not that women don't have um hair loss they do but just in general if you're putting your hair in a ponytail all the time and you're getting a lot of breakage and those hairs fall out it happens to women all the time that aren't experiencing hair loss but that's not permanent hair loss it's just temporary there is a chance for that hair loss to come those follicles aren't dead like they can still grow hair this is a an article on self.com traction alopecia how to stop it before it's too late traction alopecia is a type of hair loss where the hair thins out after prolonged stress on the hair follicle and it's most common around the front hairline estimated that one-third of african-american women have traction alopecia from styles and styling techniques that put a lot of pressure on the hair, like wearing tight braids or extensions, putting significant heat on the hairline, getting chemical relaxers, installing a weave, repeated using tight sponge rollers, and brushing already fragile hairs. 
But this is exactly what I'm saying. This is, this is feeding into exactly what I'm saying. If you keep doing the same thing that is yanking your hair out of joint, it's going to keep yanking your hair out. If you stopped doing it, you'd have an opportunity for those hairs to grow back through the follicle because you're not killing the follicle. You just have weak hair. Okay, I'm Googling traction alopecia regrowth. You got you to gotta catch it early. <laughs> traction, this is headcovers.com. Traction alopecia is often resolved within six months if it is caught and treated early. In severe cases, it can take as long as one year for a damaged scalp to regrow hair. Okay, so, but then still years a year, you still got your hair back, no? So then you go talk to the dude who's got no hair and they say, hey man, just take a year, grow that hair back. And when he like pushes it out on the toilet, like a Chia pet or it's gone, it's gone. So we got to talk to Kawhi about that. Well, he also may just be like, Kawhi is what, 29? No, I think he's younger. I thought he was like 27. I think he's 28 actually. I think he was 20. So he also could just be, I mean, it's very he's, subtle. Yeah, too. he's like, 28. He's the same age as me. But I feel like if Kawhi shaved his head, you'd be like, he's bald too, when he could clearly still grow a bunch of hair. No, no, no. Because no. that's what you're <laughs> no, saying no, about no, like no, Kobe. No, 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 that's no. what you're saying about LeBron. That's what you're saying about Kareem. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think I don't think if 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 Kawhi shaved his head, we would be like, "Is Kawhi bald?" I think you would know for sure that he's not. I think it's and different. If you straight raised it, you wouldn't know. You would just be like, "Oh, he's bald." And, you, and if, or if it if was like, if it was that short, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm looking at dudes where like they straight razor, but you can still see that slight growth around around the sides and the back, where you can tell that they're bald on the top. It's not coming out the same way. Carl Malone. Yeah. It's in that top five scores. Are you saying to me that he 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 wasn't a balding man? He is a bald man. Now when he was playing, was he a bald man? No. Did he Fuck uh, yeah, he was. He wasn't bald. No, he wasn't bald. He had hair for a lot of his career. Oh, for some of his career, just do a quick Google search of Carl Malone. More more it, picks man. are gonna more pics are going to come up where he has zero hair. A shaved head because he shaved his head? Well, if you look at what his hair looked like before he shaved his head, you're going to understand why. It's because he was a bald He's man. Like a 35-year-old man. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> he, he lost his hair when he was 40. Oh, he lost his hair when he was 40, everybody. Like, how many people lose their hair when they're 40? To that extent? No, the extent because he bicks it. I've seen the extent before he shaved it. Oh, he he did a YouTube video and he said, here's my hairline, folks. Now watch me pick it. If you Google him, picture eight shows you exactly what he looked like sometime before he shaved his head in that black jazz jersey. Yeah, but that's not a bald man. That's just someone who's, you know, it's he's lost the island. <laughs> no. That's a bald man. It's not a bald man. It's a receding hairline. There has to be a difference. It's not black and white. Like he he's not that a bald is a man. number that is a number four or five on the Norwood scale. Sure. Which isn't bald. It's just hair loss. Okay, well six is bald. Six is hair shoe. 
<laughs> and he's four or five. <laughs> the man was bald. You can't you can't fucking argue with me that Carl Malone wasn't bald. <laughs> I can okay, I can understand the argument of Kobe. You know? I can under sort of understand the Jabbar, but you can't argue Malone, you can't argue LeBron, and you can't argue MJ. I could argue LeBron. You can't see a picture of LeBron that shows you whatever his hairline actually is. So you actually don't know. You do. Don't you find it weird, though, that, and this is what makes hair loss so crippling, is that even somebody like LeBron is at the top of his field, maybe arguably the greatest basketball player to ever play, one of the craziest athletes ever to live. No, he's not Michael Jordan. A billion... He's worth a billion dollars, and yet he still is trying to hide hair loss. Like, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it does matter. It, it's awful. And then I think to myself, when I, when I think of people in movies or I think of athletes, and I think that subconsciously or even consciously, I want them to have hair. It's really weird. But why? I don't know. I don't know what it is. We like hair. <laughs> I guess it's just a weakness or something. Like we view it as like a weakness or something. That's the way I feel about myself when I feel like I'm losing hair. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, uh, it's like a vulnerability. It's it's weak. I'm going to, uh, I'm exposing some weakness I have. I think that there's just something, I think that it's literally a visual thing that having a, square flat hairline just frames your face nicely it's just a pleasing shape and when it's jagged and pointed it just like kind of warps the face and so like that's why that like in between space where you just have like a receding hairline and isn't styled well or you don't it, it just doesn't it doesn't please the eye like it's it's like some sort of mathematical thing but that's why like when the people who do take the plunge and shave it they lose that jagged thing you can't see that shape on the top of the head but they lose any relativity to the shape of their head at all it just all becomes this one color i've got an alien head did your mother have a c-section i don't think so but i remember one time in uh i think it was grade four or something we had to draw each other's silhouettes so we had to put our profile. Oh yeah, up I remember this, that. Uh, we had to put it up around the classroom, and uh, kids used to say that I had a bone ponytail because I had this protrusion from the back of my head, this weird shaped thing in the back of my head that sticks out. So I was called bone ponytail. And mm. I remember it was just left up there for the whole year, and it was referenced all the time. And I think, I think I'd be a different person if that didn't happen. <laughs> I've got the same bony protrusion. Supposedly, it comes from a, a sort of northern European Celtic slash Viking background. It's a really funny thing for someone to say if they're being teased. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Dwight Schrute answer from the office. <laughs> a bone ponytail. Uh, actually, it's from a Celtic northern background. I am a Viking. 
It's a sign of power. My family were Vikings. The the bony protrusion on the back of my head signaled how much power I have, and it often correlated to the size of a man's penis. Fuck you, bone ponytail. <laughs> Get him. If you if you Google LeBron James bald, we get a bunch of pictures of LeBron James with his head shaved. Oh man, you're gonna see a lot of interesting things. You're gonna see some Norwood fives. Norwood fives. It's so hard to say, man, because that what I'm looking at, I can still see a good hairline. No, I don't know what you're looking at, man. Look, I'm not saying LeBron James. Picture ten on Google Images could, of LeBron bald. Yeah, but I don't think that's real. What do you mean you don't think that's real? You can watch that video. That's a real video. I don't know about that. It is. It's in the dressing room. You can see it. There's other video clips of it. That's just real. Again, though, not bald, though, right? Because the hair lets you know that it's not bald. It just lets you know that it's an unfavorable hair situation. That picture of picture 10 that we're referring to like that's from like 2014 or 15 or something man like if you don't think that dude is like no like past that now you're crazy yeah that's that's probably true he's bald 100 percent. yeah yeah he's bald I'm Trent Thornton, and you're listening to the the Buck and Tabby Show on. Uh, doesn't hey say the network. You. Hey Trent. Yeah. Can you just? Uh, sorry, dude. That was really good. Can you just say it a little bit, just a little bit quicker, a little bit cleaner? And you don't need to say any kind of network. Uh, there's no network. Just don't worry about it. We'll fill it in if we have to. Okay. Um. Here we go. I'm Trent Thornton. Uh, this is the buck and sorry what yeah man sorry 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 it's just it just needs to it's just like a little quick thing it's just uh it's trent thornton and you're listening to the buck and tabby podcast and or you can say show i don't really care but it's just it needs to you're taking this sort of like hesitant pause or something like that uh okay um should i go again yeah we need you to go again yeah thank you I'm Trent Thornton, and this is the Buckin' Tabby Show. Is it a question that that's what your name is, or is that is that your name? If I if I had your driver's license, would that be what your name is? Are you asking? If, um, well, I'm yeah, asking I'm you. Trent I don't Thornton. mean. Okay, that is your name. So then, then it's a fact. It's not a question. Let's go again. I'm Trent Thornton, and this is the Buckin' Tabby Show cast. Is it show or podcast? Let's just make this this simple as day. Uh, You say, Hi, I'm Trent Thornton, and this is the Buck and Tabby show. That's it. Boom, boom, boom. You're done. Um, Let's go. Okay. I don't have my glasses on. Hold on a second. I just can't really see the. You don't need to be able to see it. You don't need to be able to see the top thing. I think you can just say, This is Trent Thornton, and you're listening to the Buck and Tabby show or podcast, but I don't want to throw too many. Too many ingredients at you, right? Okay, but before you said hi, I'm I'm Trent Thornton, and now you just said this is. Which well, I guess what I was suggesting is that it could be like a fluid thing that you could kind of just make your own thing with it. But every time that we kind of hit record, you just sound like uh, 
you just came out of a 10 year coma and these are the first words you've said. So I'm just kind of hoping that you'll find yourself and be able to do this, but it, it doesn't have to be this uh, ground out thing. Sorry, man. We're all just. So just, you want uh, me to. We've had a long day, man. You want me to go quicker or what? I'd love what, you to go a little note? quicker, a little more energy, and just real clean. I'm Trent Thornton, and you're listening to the Buck and Tabby Show. Okay. I'm Trent Thornton, and you're listening to the Buck and Tabby Show. It's it's better. It's close. It just feels to me like you put on a voice that's not yours or something. And I mean, if we have to use I that, I was thing, trying to I do can... a radio thing. Well, you're not a radio thing. You're a baseball player, so just use. But your this voice. is the radio, right? Or I guess it's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Uh, okay, so. Should I do it again, or? Just one more time, and if not, we'll just use the last one. So let's go. We really got to go, buck- man. This is- uh, sorry. Should I go? Are you guys ready? Is this on? Are you ready? I'm Trent Thornton. That's what I say, right? I'm Trent Thornton. I'm Trent Thornton, and this is the Buck and Tabby Show. That's great, man. Thanks a lot for coming in. Uh, no, we got all, the it. Best, all the best in the season, and yeah, we got it, man. Thank you. So, uh, thanks so much. All right, I'm Josh Goldberg here, and we're back on Blue Jays Talk. It seems like we've got everything back in order. Let's, uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, all right, we've got uh, Jeffrey in Toronto. How's it going in Toronto, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good, Jeffrey. Thanks th- Thanks for checking in. Um, no problem. What do you got for us? Any quest- questions about the Blue Jays? I just want to say I love, I love baseball. I love everything about it, the way it makes me feel when I'm watching it, the, the whole thing that they're doing when they, you know, when they, when they get a score, when they, when they hit it and when they, when they're running and I'm just like, yes, this, I just, I feel like I understand the sport more than I understand other things in life. And I, I feel like I'm a little bit late in my life where I could have maybe been a part of the sport and it's too late, but now I, I just, I really just cherish my moments where I can be a part of the the sport with the when they're cracking it and when when then they're winning and it's it's all very close and then an outcome happens and I'm I'm very much invested in the game okay so Jeffrey what do you do in your life man like if you don't mind my asking I just well wanna... currently I'm in a deep uh, solo isolation I am bit of a tricky situation where I'm in a three roommate sort of ordeal. Uh, the other night I woke up and I, I was just coughing and I fully believe that I was just coughing because I had a dry throat, but um, my other two roommates didn't see it that way. And so I've been, uh, I've been locked in a water closet for uh, two days, but the, I do have my laptop with me and uh, you know, I've, I've heard that you want to do these Blue Jays talks. And so I wanted to just in case give you a call. And just- uh, yeah. Sorry. Jeffrey, uh, uh, what I was asking, you know, um, you know, what kind of a, a job do you have? When you yeah, I money? was uh, skirting around that. I'm not currently not um, working where, you know, sort of, you know, 
lucky for me, coronavirus has sort of made that kind of kind of cool again, or kind of normal. But uh, not currently, not currently involved in anything. Okay, and you're saying you know you're watching baseball and you like the way it makes you feel, and you wish you could be involved. You know, I, I want to support those dreams. Yeah, because you know I you know I was just a I was just a guy at one point like you. I didn't have a job and. You know, I I wish that maybe someday I could write about the Blue Jays, and you know, I could be involved in radio personality. Yeah, sometimes, and, sometimes know, I want. Yeah, now I'm hosting. No, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I was just gonna say, here I am hosting the Blue Jays talk, talking to you, and you know, maybe someday you could be hosting Blue Jays talk, and I'll be calling it. You know, I I I feel like I could. I really believe in you, Jeffrey, and I don't. I have higher dreams than that. I do have higher dreams than that. I appreciate you saying that. I do think that I could do that, but I do have higher dreams. Uh, when I'm uh, online, because you know, as I said, I'm in this water closet, and uh, it seems like I'm here for the unforeseeable future. Uh, I, I when you say water closet, do you mean bathroom? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, no, I'm British parents um, and just grew up calling it the uh, water closet. And uh, I've stuck to my guns on that, even though I've been uh, tortured a few times in my life uh, heavily. And I I still believe to stick to my roots, and I call it a water closet. Um, This specific scenario, a bit vague to call it a water closet. No running water in this situation that I find myself in is a closet for sure, though. But what I do in here is I watch Jay's games and I kind of put it on uh, mute and I call the game. And I feel like I have a perspective with the game that is unique and that is vital and that is important and that is relevant and it is up to date and it is trendy and it is uh, it is of the times and I'm not uh, attached to a past that I wasn't a part of and I'm very much invoked in the in the uh, invoking the future and the modern way that we that we view sports and I and then so I, I thought I'd call and just tell you about my passion in baseball because I think passion gets you uh, where you want to go I couldn't I couldn't agree more, Jeffrey. And uh, you know, because of that, maybe we could do an exercise. You know, a little work, uh, help you realize your dreams. A little practice. Uh, why don't we sort of imagine that we're going to call a Blue Jays game? You know, a hypothetical Blue Jays game, and we'll do a little bit of color commentary together. And you know, we can kind of imagine what it would be like. You know, if if the beloved Blue Jays were playing playing baseball again, and you and I are a kind of a, a buck and tabby like. Uh, duo and we're gonna we're gonna call this again is, uh, this is incredible this this is you know this takes a dark time in my life to be clear a very dark time and this gives it hope and this is i have to be honest this is uh, i was really hoping that you'd give me this opportunity thank you so so much you're very welcome jeffrey uh will you imagine yourself to be a kind of a color commentary guy or play by play play by more... play play by play for sure for sure play by play I mean, I do both. I do do both, like you tell me. But I play by play is where my where my passion uh, lights fire. Uh, okay, okay. Well, here we are. It's bottom of the ninth. Wow. We're on the road. We're in New York, Yankee Stadium. The score is four to five. Okay. We've got four. The Yankees got five. Okay. It's the top of the night. Sorry, sorry. I I love I love this, and I love that you're being inclusive of me. Uh, you said it the ninth, the ninth, the ninth uh, hitter, the ninth pitch. It's the ninth. It's the ninth, ninth inning. The ninth inning. Okay. 
Okay, so that's the ninth inning is... Okay, yeah, yep, 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 okay. So, in the top of the ninth, we're up to bat. I'll let you introduce who's up to the up at the plate. Uh, you can choose who's on the mound. You know, it's a Yankees pitcher, of course. Maybe it's Chapman. Maybe it's someone yeah. else. Um, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing the play-by-play, so I'll, I'll let you do the intro, okay? Whenever you're ready. Maybe Chapman, yeah. Um, and here we are in New York City for this glorious night where it's foggy, it's rainy, it's something evasive of, of getting too dark a feeling, but here we are in baseball. There's a thick man on the mound, and he has got a ball in his hand, and he's rubbing it and rubbing it, and one of our guys is coming up to the plate. One of the ones that you, that you want to hit good and that you believe in and that you think is a, a hero for your town and your, your country. Okay, Jeffrey, 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 just gonna just gonna interject here for a second so when you're doing the play-by-play right you got to say names you got to announce who it is that's up to the bat you know because the people listening or the people watching you know yeah that makes sense they they need to have details you're kind of like a detail man so he comes up to the play and you say all right, and uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the thick man. You're obviously talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Rowdy Telez, okay. I don't know, probably one of those no, two guys, those, one of those, those big guys. Those are, yes, yeah, okay, yeah, that's who I was, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, stop of the ninth, we're down by a round. Okay. Um, you know, let's, let's, I'll help you out here. Let's say that it's, uh, you know, we're about midway through the order, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s come up, and you know, we've got, We've got one on. He's on second base. We've got Kevin Biggio on second base. He walked. He stole he just second. Walked. He's lazy. He's given up. He he doesn't. He's not running anymore. He's hurt. So Kevin Biggio is hurt. Uh, here we are in the top of the ninth batter. With the the game is very close. The th- the there's a, a skinny man named Rick on the mound. And up at the dish is uh, the Guerrero, and and here we await in this foggy, dewy eve in New York, where the breath in feels like hope, and the breath out feels like a bit of anxious fear, and yet here we are. And the sticky Ricky he gets that ball right in there, and that's... Ooh, that's a debatable call, but the umpire called it a the oh, you the uh, the one that's against the hitter, and so they won against the hitter, and uh, so the pitcher's up by the one thing, and Sticky Ricky gets the ball again, and this Dewey Eve as he dries his hands off on his pajamas that he's wearing, and he thinks of his mother in this time who taught him about baseball at a young age, and he learned baseball, and that was the way he learned uh, to enjoy others and to celebrate himself, and here he has the ball, and uh, a woo there's the ball, and, and, uh, Gegagoro, uh, there it gets, gets it, gets it. That's get, that's that's where you want to put it, and that's on the the green. And uh, the other uh, lazy Biggio, he's in there. Now we're now we're at a a score that's uh, more comparable to each other. Now we're now we're closer than we were before because the score has now been brought closer and. Oh, the big apple, the big apple that's being 
devastated by the coronavirus uh, here in the United States. Um, then up next is going to be uh, Thick Pete. Thick Pete comes to the mound, or the, the thing, the, the, sh uh, the, the plate, the plate, the plate. Thick Pete comes to the plate, and he's hitting from the side that you want him to be hitting from in this situation. And Sticky Ricky's got that ball again, and Sticky Ricky's launching it in and up. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we have never seen this before. Thick Pete has hit that ball all the way on the other side of the divider. Ah, uh, that's the the uh, sorry when you're so we're in New York and so this is our team and so then they they, have the, they get another chance. So not over yet, folks, but the uh, the looking good for the the team that you're looking for, and that's that's. Uh, are you there, Jeffrey? And Thick Pete comes home, and the man who's behind the the thing where they hit, wearing the mask, he just punches him in the mask. And then Thick Pete says, that doesn't hurt me because I'm Thick Pete, and I've been tough my whole life, and my poppy was in prison, and my poppy taught me how to punch bars at a young age, and so this mask means nothing. And the, the man with the mask is down, and he's writhing, and Thick Pete jumps up on top of the flat space there with the players, and he gives it to the crowd, the New York crowd, but he doesn't care because this is a moment in his life he won't forget. Dreams that we all have of mattering and being someone and not, not having wasted it all away at such an age and not being able to get over your crippling doubt about yourself and your inner loathing that, well, quite frankly, shakes you and stirs you in the night. And so uh, the team, the Toronto, has decided that that's enough runs. They've given the the ball to New York uh, on a in a way to show uh, sportsmanship. And now the New York team is at the plate in their pajamas, and on the mound for uh, Toronto is Blake Getty. And Blake Getty is one. Not to be reckoned with. He is a machine. Blake Getty does the step back thing and the the, the pull in and the ball and it's whoa that moved a bit and but it's in there for what you'd want it to be from the pitcher's perspective and so the pitcher's up one thing and the New York and he throws three more right away and that's that pet batter gone so that's one out one away and he threw three three pitches right away. It's a thing that he does. It's a trick pitch, not a tr not illegal, but it's what he does to get batters out. It's very deceptive, and that batter is gone. So one away, one away, yes, one away. Here in the bottom of the ninth inning, here in New York, and up next is going to be Didi Gregorius, and he'll be facing off against Ken Giles. Gregorius digs his heels into the batter's box, and he looks out at Giles, and Giles is wondering, do I bust him inside right away with a slider on his hands, or do I come right up top with a fastball and brush him off the plate? Giles with the pitch, and he blows it by him at 98 miles an hour, and Gregorius stands out and looks at Ken Giles with a little knowing smile, saying, 
Here we go, my man. We're in the Big Apple. Brett Giles gets the pitch back from Danny Jansen. Giles looks into Jansen. Jansen nods him off once, nods him off twice, and here we go. It's ready to rock, baby. One down and 0-1 to Gregorius. And the pitch. And he busts him down with a slider in the dirt, and Gregorius check swings, and they go to third, and he went around. 0-2 to Gregorius. Giles with a little smile into Jansen. Jansen pisses pumps his fist on his chest and says to Giles, it's you and me, baby, until the bitter end tonight. On this foggy dewy eve here in New York City, Giles looks into Jansen and they're on the same page. He's got the pitch right away. That's a rocket! That's two away! And Jake D.D. Gregorius looks back at Giles, and Giles turns his back and shows him the numbers on his jersey. And here we go, baby. It's two out, and the Blue Jays are looking to steal one from the leading Bronx Bombers. And up next is the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP, Aaron Judge, steps to the plate. It is David versus Goliath here as Ken Giles looks in as the fog pours down and the New York crowd is on their feet. Judge steps in. Jeffrey. Fastball and it's oh and yes, yes, uh, yes. Tell me what's happened here. I, uh. What were you doing? What were you doing earlier? I, at some point, at some point I. Did you calling a fuck with me? No, at some point I, uh. At some point you what, Jeffrey? started believing that I had something to offer and I shut my eyes and I thought I was going to throw up but that's what came out well, I tell you what Jeffrey I'm impressed but I'm also hurt I'm hurt too do you know why I'm hurt do you have coronavirus no I don't Jeffrey but I'm a person and when you call a game, you have someone who does color commentary, and you have someone who does the play-by-play. Someone who does play-by-play will often leave a little bit of space for someone to do some color commentary. So now, it, And that person can say, I'm seeing white, I'm seeing green, I'm seeing yellow, I'm seeing red. That's the color commentary. He's like, everything's blue, everything's green and brown. Exactly. Okay. And you gave no space. You are, you are not a team player. You just barreled ahead. You left not even a single breath for me to come in if I had something to say based on what you were saying, right? I didn't. You just went ahead. It's a team. It's a team sport, even in the broadcast booth. That's your first lesson. I feel like shit. Maybe next time you call him, we could call a game together. So stupid. But I... it's okay because we're gonna learn. And this is Blue Jays talking. This is what we do. This is kind of inclusive, you know. Me and you, we can work together. We can call a game if we if we need to call a game. It's the kind of it's the kind of thing Blue Jays talk's gonna be while we don't have baseball. It's a show for everybody. I'll hang up and uh, I'll learn this lesson and I'll uh, I'll punish myself until I figure it out. Thanks a lot. Well, I appreciate that. Anytime. All right. For now, I'll say goodbye because I'm Josh Goldberg and you're listening to Blue Jays Talk. Stay alive, Canada. Stay safe. Stay isolated. And and uh, I'm Josh Goldberg. This is Blue Jays Talk.
it's time for baseball. <laughs> wow. I have never seen that. Art Shamsky. It's time for baseball. Sun. Right on cue!